So John 8:12 says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Amen. Let's pray as we get into God's word today. God, we invite you to do a special work in our hearts today. We need you more than anything. God, people going through such tough stuff around us, and, and God, we just sometimes don't know where to turn, and our hearts are raw and heavy. But God, you've promised your presence, and you've promised this light that will lead the way. God, we don't have to walk in darkness like we once did, but we have the light that leads to life that is you. And so we just lean into you today and trust that you're gonna guide us well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, light is an amazing, wonderful thing. This last summer, me and my family spent some time camping um, in the Smokies. We spent seven nights in a tent. Now, this was the first time that we sent the two boys that are, are teenagers now, and they're getting stinky. And so we sent them to another tent. Can I get an amen? But how many of you know when you are tent camping, a headlamp is an amazing thing? Right, it's a great thing. And um, so man, you gotta have that headlamp, you gotta keep it close to you, you gotta put it on just to get to the bathroom at night because it's an unfamiliar territory and that lamp lights the way. And then a couple weeks after that, we went uh, camping with some people from church here. And my good friend Ted that was uh, playing a lead guitar this morning, uh, me and Ted and my son Levi had an amazing experience on this camping trip. So first of all, part of the camping trip, we, we were caving, and so obviously you need the light on your head in the cave, because it's obviously dark in there. But me and Ted and Levi were sitting around the campfire uh, that first night, and all of a sudden we hear something. And so we shine the light over on Ted's picnic table, and there's raccoons all over it eating stuff, right? And I can't remember what they got into, but they were having a good old time eating Ted's food. And so uh, with the light in our hands, and, um, and like, like logs of wood in the other, we go running after these raccoons and chase them off into the woods. And these things are bold. And, and, and they went straight from the picnic table up a tree like six feet away and right there in the tree and we're taking pictures of them. And, and these are rascals, evil creatures. And they just won't go away. And so we're like, well, we've scared them. You know, they're probably not gonna come back. So we turn the lights off and we go back to the campfire. Not even two minutes later, they're back down the tree, back on the picnic table. And so me and Levi go into attack mode, right? And we get our headlamps and, and we're throwing stuff at these raccoons. We're trying to scare them enough to where they'll finally go away. We battled, it was an all out savage battle for, it had to be an hour. Back and forth, light on, light off, light on, light off. And it felt like every single time we turned that lamp, that headlight on, those lamps on, the raccoons were back. The evil was back in the camp, in our life, in our stuff, trying to eat our junk. And that's not cool. Don't eat another man's junk food. And so we're going after the raccoons, trying to chase them. Finally, after like an hour, we're like, we, we think we finally won this battle. Lo and behold, the next night, they're back again. And we had to go through the whole thing again. These evil things that if we had not had a, a lamp, a, a light, we would have never known that they were there. Sneaky little creatures, right? You know, I have a superhuman ability. Just wanna let you in on this little secret. 
I can get up in my own bedroom in the dark and get to the bathroom without a light. Anybody else? It's like, that's my space. I'm comfortable in that little space and I can get there without a light. I can do that most basic function of life without a light. I'm used to it. Doesn't mean it's smart. And if the kids leave a toy on the store, on, on the floor, I'm in for it because I'm gonna bite it and probably bust my lip and, and, and it's not gonna be pretty. But in that small space, I can function without a light. But let me tell you, the world is a big place. There's things out to get you. There's things that, that you're gonna trip over. There's things in life that are going to just knock your socks off and you're not gonna know what to do and you're gonna be confused and you're not gonna know where to turn without a light. And so I might be able to function on my own in my room without a light. But you get out in the big bad, bad world where there's crazy raccoons and stuff, you need a light. There's stuff that's gonna come at you in life that you need a light for. When you turn the light on, you're gonna see things that you didn't see before. When you turn the light on, you're gonna see things that you didn't see before, and that's what Jesus does in our life. You see, all throughout scripture, there's this contrast between light and darkness. What are the first words out of, Jesus, out of God's mouth? Let there be light, the beginning of creation. So God is light. Satan is, is called the prince of darkness. So it's a very clear, black and white, light and dark comparison. Paul, the apostle, when he was knocked off his donkey on the way to Damascus, he said, uh, and, and, and what did Jesus say to him? Jesus spoke to him from heaven and said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. When your eyes are closed, it's dark. When you open your eyes, it's light. So they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. You see the contrast. God is the light. Satan is the darkness. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. The very mission that, was Paul, that Paul was given, the very reason that Jesus came, the very words that God spoke into um, existence, let there be light. And so the context of our story today, the context of our story in John chapter eight, Jesus is teaching at the temple and the Pharisees bring Jesus a woman that they caught in the act of adultery. Can somebody say awkward, right? Caught in the very act of adultery and they put her right in front of Jesus. Now, last time I checked, it takes two to tango. But here just she is, right? I think that's another discussion that, that shows the motives of, the, of those bringing her to Jesus because it's not that they didn't have the ability to bring the man to, probably not, unless he's just really fast and got away, but they just brought her. So the sin that happened in darkness in private is being thrust into the light and not only into the light of day in front of people, but in front of the light of the world, right? This particular sin that, that her and the man that she was um, engaged with 
in that culture, at that time, in this historical context that we're looking at, this sin was punishable by stoning. Being stoned to death. Usually, for you and me, no matter how much we try to hide our sin, and every single one of us, no matter who you are, there's secret things in your life that no one knows about. And no matter, no, much how, no matter how much we try to hide our sin, it gets thrust into the light. Maybe you remember that time you were a kid and your mom literally caught you with your hand in the cookie jar or in the candy drawer or whatever it is. And that feeling of, I got caught. And as you get older in life, you realize that it doesn't matter who you are, you can only hide the addiction so long. You can only hide the lies for so long before you're found out, you know? But I've got news for you. The raccoons only have so long to run around in the dark before the sun comes up. And the light always shines on dark places. The morning is coming. And so just like this woman who was caught in the act of adultery in a very awkward place, the dark parts of her life were thrust into the light. We are all confronted with the light. And so the first thing that we see this morning in your notes, if you want to fill in the blanks uh, there that I've left you on your seat, or if you want to go in your app and tap notes, all the notes are there this morning. But the first thing that the light does is it reveals our sin. John 8, 4 through 5 says this. They, so they bring her before Jesus and, and they say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? What do you say? This is a question that few too many people are asking of Jesus today. Few too many people are, are looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what do you say? Everybody's saying what they think. Everybody's saying their own opinion. Everybody has, a, has an outlook on life. But too few people, I, I would say that this is one question that the Pharisees got right. They came to Jesus and said, what do you say? Now, their motives weren't good. You know, they had no business bringing this woman in public and throwing her in front of Jesus. They were, they were being conniving. They were trying to trap Jesus. But this is a great question to ask Jesus. Jesus, what do you say about my life? What do you say about these dark places in my life? So much of the time, we'd rather ask social media. But all, all kinds of people today are, are saying, what do you say about this sin? Or what do you say about that sin? Or what do you say about, about what happened here? Or what do you say about what happened there? What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? And it's as if us as a society, as a culture, we all just sit back with their popcorn and we're like, what's going to happen? What's so-and-so going to do? What's so-and-so going to do? How are you going to respond? How am I going to respond? And everybody's just like, oh, I love the drama. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, I remember back in a kid when, when I was a kid and, and, and I would turn on the TV and there's Judge Wapner on people's court. Anybody remember that? And like back then, it was just kind of, it seemed kind of, kind of, um, uh, you know, harmless and kind of innocent. It was like, oh, little petty things. And Judge Wapner would solve it and it'd be like, it's done. But it, it's like the world has morphed and it, it's gone from Judge Wapner to Judge Judy. And, and now it just feels like it's gone all Jerry Springer on us, right? It's just crazy. 
And for some twisted reason, there's entertainment when it's someone else's sin. And I could just imagine these Pharisees, they bring this woman before Jesus and, and, and they're like, man, this is gonna be good. What's he gonna say? What's he gonna do? But sooner or later, it gets personal for both you and me. It talks about this in Romans chapter one, all the different sins and, and things that we struggle with. And it begins with just an, a, a, a refusal to acknowledge God as God. And it, and it, and it leads on to actions that, that completely deny the goodness of God. You know, things like, you know, what this woman was involved in, adultery. You know, these days, pornography. Uh, you know, back then and now, homosexuality, materialism, anger, unforgiveness, pride, theft, dishonesty, rebellion against parents, rebellion against God, refusing to call what God says is sin, sin. In Romans 1.32, it says, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. So this woman, based on the law at that time, based on what she did, deserved death. And so it says, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Can anybody see that in the world that we're living in right now? Listen, sin has forever been thrust into the light. It was thrust into the light then, and it's thrust into the light now. And we as a people have been challenged with what to do with it. Some sins are not only being thrust into the light, but they're being encouraged to be seen as right and good. Listen, when you don't have the light, when you don't have the light of the world in your life, you think that there's nothing wrong with your sin. It's when the light appears that you see the sin. It's when the lights get turned on that you see the, those, you know, the proverbial raccoons running around in your life, robbing you of everything that's good. You know, church, we can never expect somebody who doesn't have the light or somebody that's far from God, that doesn't follow God, to act like somebody that does. But all of us, the Bible says, are confronted with the choice of what are we gonna do with Jesus? In Romans chapter one, it says that all of us, man, we're, we're without an excuse because the light of the world came into the world. And so Jesus was challenged with this too. The Pharisees come and throw this, this sin before him and they're like, what are you gonna do? And they all get out their popcorn. What's he gonna do? And in John 8, 7, Jesus says, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Jesus says, let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. Now I love this because it's easy to be like, man, they're wrong and they're wrong and they're wrong and, and that's wrong and that's wrong. But Jesus, he comes on the scene. He's like, okay, you want to be that one? Okay, let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. Listen, the presence of Jesus, the light of the world, didn't just reveal the sin of the woman. He revealed the sin of humanity. The crowd couldn't see their own sin. They could only see the sin of the woman. Jesus revealed to them what it says in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And so the whole crowd all at once went from woe to woe is them to woe is me. All of them went from look what she did to uh oh, look what I did. And this is the journey that every single one of us, no matter who we are, has to take. John 3, 19 through 21 says, this is the verdict. Judge Wapner throwing down the verdict, right? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people, that's me and you, <clears throat> loved darkness instead of the light because their e deeds were evil. Everyone, that's me and you, who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done, and this is, this is where we gotta get, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, the light of, world, the light of the world reveals our sin and that what we have done was done in the sight of a holy God. The light forces us to deal with our sin as what it is, sin. The second thing that we see here is that the light of the world shows God's grace, amen? Amen, it's about to get good, buckle up. The light of the world shows God's grace. John 8, nine through 11 says, when the accusers heard this, when they heard Jesus say, okay, whoever has not sinned, let them throw the first stone. When the accusers heard that, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. That's grace. The light of the world shows the grace of God. Now, remember I said that these guys were trying to put Jesus in a trap. They were trying to trap him. They were trying to, to fool him. Because if Jesus agreed with them that, okay, you know, um, let's stone this girl, then he loses his re reputation for being loving and gracious. If Jesus forgives her, then Jesus is condoning adultery. This is the kind of argument and logic that they're trying to play out and forcing Jesus to be something or make a choice that presents himself in some way before the people that is on either end, not good. Because if Jesus forgives, he's breaking the law of Moses. If Jesus agrees with them, then he loses his reputation for being different and being loving. And this is what the divisiveness of the world does. This is what the pharisaical spirit, the hypocritical spirit that is of this world does. It creates these kind of divisions and arguments. But what does the text say? When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one until it was just her and Jesus. It was just her and Jesus. And this is where you have to get. It's not what everybody else thinks. It's you and I coming to this terms of saying, Jesus, what do you say? Jesus, what do you want to do? Jesus, what, are, what do you want to say about this, this junk in my life? What do you want to do with it? Why? Because only he can forgive because he's perfect. Only he can forgive because he's the one that paid the price. Let's unpack this for a moment. It would have been hypocritical 
for Jesus to not condemn her if he wasn't prepared to take the punishment for her sin. Get this, church. It would have been hypocritical for Jesus not to condemn the woman if he wasn't ready to step up and be the selfless, perfect sacrifice for her sin. Listen, the only reason that he was able to not condemn her is because he was gonna carry the condemnation for her sin on himself. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through what? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. So her sin, just like your sin, no matter what it is, deserved death. But Jesus was able to look at her in the eyes and say, I don't condemn you. Why? Because I'm gonna take that sin that you bore on in your body, I'm gonna take it on myself and I'm gonna pay the price so you don't have to. Grace is not getting what you deserve. And Jesus showed up as the person of grace in her life that day. And he didn't just brush her sin away like it was no big deal. That's what the world does now. He didn't condone her adultery. He said, I'm gonna take the punishment for it. That sin that you committed, I'm gonna pay that bill. Listen, somebody has to pay the bill. Your parents ever tell you that? Somebody's paying for that. You leave that light on all day when I went to work, hey, somebody's paying for that. Well, guess what? Your sin and my sin and we're all guilty. Somebody's gotta pay that bill. And Jesus came and said, I'm gonna pay your bill. So listen, I don't condemn you as your pastor. I'm not judging you as your pastor. You know, your sin does that on its own. My sin condemns me, but Jesus. Everybody say, but Jesus. But Jesus, he took the punishment. He paid the price. He did it so you and I don't have to. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 And so the light of the world, it reveals our sin and it shows God grace, God's grace. And number three, it illuminates the right path. It illuminates the right path. John 8, 11 through 12 says, really simply, Jesus wraps it all up and he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And immediately after that, he says, he spoke to the people once more and he said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So what is Jesus saying? There's a better way. What is Jesus saying? I paid the price so you don't have to. You don't have to walk in darkness. There's a better way. There's light that leads to life. You can flick on that spiritual headlamp and see all the junk and avoid it and fight it and take it on and drive it out of your life back into the woods and say, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm walking in the light. Amen. Amen. Romans 6, 1 says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. You don't have to. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Amen? Amen. 
Anybody seen that Mandalorian show on Disney? Man, I love that show. And he has this really cool line that all the Mandalorians do. And they say, and when they get their helmet on, you can't even see their face or their expressions. And they're like, this is, the, this is the way. I can't even say it like they do. This is the way. They've got a way to live. They've got a way to do life, right? And Jesus says, there's a right way. He's saying, hey, I've illuminated it in front of you. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. You see, the Mandalorian didn't come up with it. Jesus said, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus looks at you in the eyes, church, seeker, believer. If you're saved, if you're unsaved, if you're looking for Jesus, wherever you are on the journey, if you're home today watching online, wherever you are, Jesus looks at you in the eyes and he looks at you in the face. And maybe like your parents said at one time when they really wanted to get your attention, he grabs you by the face and with earnestness and with just intent, he looks you right in the eyes. And just like in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, but you are not like that anymore. You don't have to live that way anymore. 1 Peter 2, 9, you're not like that. You're a chosen people now. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he what? He called you out out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? There's a better way. Jesus, the light of the world, shines the light on the path and says you don't have to live like that anymore. God says you're better than that. And I've got better things for you to do. So don't settle for the world's standards anymore. There's a better way. There's a better way. You see, this world wants to create division and arguments and, he, and, and just condemnation and all that. When Jesus wants to look into your eyes like a loving father and just say, hey, son, daughter, there's a better way. There's a better way. You see, he looks into the eyes of a sinner, you and me. No matter what your sin is, no matter what you're going through, he looks into your eyes and he pleads and he's crying out to you, there's a better way. Don't look through the lens of this world, look through the light of the world. Turn on the light. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, as the band comes, we're gonna sing another song, we're gonna worship Jesus together once more today. We're gonna read this passage. It says, for once you were full of darkness. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Remember, let's ask ourselves that question. Jesus, what do you say? Jesus, what does your word say? Not what I feel, what's real? God, what does your word say about X, Y, Z? I'm gonna ask Jesus. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Remember, 
The light of the world reveals our sin. It's the most loving thing that Jesus could have ever done for us, is walk into our lives as the light of the world and say, hey, there's a better way. And so, what, what does the word say? But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, so he reveals our sin. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, listen church, this is what Jesus says to you and me today. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. Isn't that amazing that Jesus gets to say that to you and you say, Joe, I'm alive. Just like Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter three, you gotta be born again. You gotta step into the light. You gotta step over from darkness to light. And so Jesus says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. And so rise up from the dead, that shows God's grace. He's given you a second chance and Christ will give you light. He's gonna illuminate the right path before you today. And so the challenge for you and me, no matter where you are, whether you don't know Jesus, whether you've been following Christ for a long time, whether you, you've fallen off the wagon, wherever you are, the challenge today is to wake up, turn on the light, rise up from the dead, and Christ is gonna be the light in your life. Amen? Amen. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I'm gonna step into the light today. Jesus has revealed my sin to me. And instead of feeling condemned, I feel convicted in the best way possible. Instead of feeling like God is mad at me, I feel like Jesus has revealed my sin because he loves me. Instead of feeling like I can't be forgiven. God's given me hope that he has grace for me. God's given me hope that he's gonna take my sin on himself and pay the price. And today, you wanna say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. Jesus, I wanna follow you. If that's you today with all the boldness that you can muster in your heart, I want you to raise your hand to heaven and say, Jesus, that's me. I want to follow you today, Jesus. As we sing this song, church, I just want to encourage you to reach out, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Let's stand up across this place and sing. Have there stories that have proved your faithfulness? And I've seen miracles my mind can comprehend. There is beauty in what I can't Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. Oh, I the wonder-working God. The wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen. Too good tonight. We'll see you too good tonight believe. Too good tonight believe. Too good tonight believe. Yeah. And I can resurrect a man with my 
church my prayer is that you leave this place today 
having looked into the eyes of a loving father. And when you see him, you realize, God, you're too good. You're too good for me to walk away unchanged. You're too good for me to walk away and stay in the darkness. It's time to step into the light. It's time to say yes to Jesus, church. It's time to step out of the comfort zone. It's time to step into the things that God is calling you to do. It's time to say yes to Jesus, amen, amen. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for those that are putting their faith and their trust in you today. God, I pray that you bless them with confidence and power and anointing in Jesus' name, that as they leave this place, they tell their story. God, they tell somebody about what they've done. God, that your joy, that your, that your peace just starts to overflow out of their hearts, just touching everybody in their life. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for those of us that have been following you. God, I pray for a new, fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit so that we can meet the demands of this world head on. God, so that we can meet it with power, so that we can meet it with the light that you placed inside of us that we shine so bright like a candle in a dark place. In Jesus' name, we need you, Father. We need you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isn't God so good today, church? Isn't he so good? Amen. Amen.